Many say that global instability today is the worst it's been since World War II. What does that mean for you? Now the Biden administration has been working even more behind the scenes to try and get everyone on board. But we need to pray again because we could lose this sovereignty, lose our right to travel, lose the right to have control over what goes into our body or alternative treatments if this passes in May. This is as big as it gets. I don't want to cause fear, but this is as big as it gets, and we need to take this extremely seriously. Welcome to Understanding the Times Radio with Jan Markell, Radio for the Remnant, brought to you by Olive Tree Ministries. Today, Jan talks to Michelle Bachman for the hour. Why is no one talking about America giving up sovereignty thanks to the schemes of the World Health Organization? This may be the single greatest push to global government. We talk about that and much more in this uninterrupted hour. Just like last year, Botswana stopped this, an African nation. Just a few nations could stop this. This is done by consent. So that's why it may be nations all over the world who stop this, because unfortunately right now, the American nation led by Joe Biden, they're the aggressors. They want to give up sovereignty to the World Health Organization. So this level of power would go internationally to the UN. And this is so important because laws weren't passed during COVID. Businesses were shut down without a law being passed. It was just a statement from a politician. We're dealing with inflation today because people were told to stay home and then we spent $6 trillion to pay people to stay home. This is absolute carnage that we're still dealing with three years into this. Now, imagine, as bad as it was here in the United States, imagine giving this level of power to the director general at the UN. This would be absolutely terrible. So all the people listening today, you can talk to your officials in your country. You can tell them, do not give up sovereignty over health care to the World Health Organization. I don't consent to that. I want to keep sovereignty here in my own country and then pray. Glad you could join me for today's programming. Well, that was the familiar voice of Michelle Bachman. She's in studio with me. And let me just say a couple of words before I bring her on air, because you hear me talk about this rush to the one world system a lot on Understanding the Times Radio. The rush to this system outlined, of course, Revelation 13. It's just been staggering in the last 20 to 30 years. And you often hear about the antics of the United Nations, the World Economic Forum, of globalist leaders, and of the World Health Organization, which is a part of the United Nations. My guest for the hour, Michelle, actually about a year ago, we were sounding this very same alarm that American sovereignty and health care could be given over to the World Health Organization. That would have been spring of 2022. And now again, happening potentially the end of May 2023. So this disaster would mean the end of freedom in America if we give certain powers over to the WHO. We're going to talk about that and what you can do, because Michelle has been sounding a warning about this, I think more forcefully than anyone else I know. Keep in mind that the Trump administration pulled out of the World Health Organization and pulled out about $6.72 billion dollars. Joe Biden went into office and put America right back into the disaster. Who are the big supporters of the WHO? The United States, Bill Gates, China. Do I need to say much more? 
So we saw government overreach in the COVID pandemic. And the next pandemic, we don't know if, when, or where it's going to break out, but it could be a hundred times worse as it concerns control issues. And the WHO could mandate everything internationally, such as lockdowns, vaccines, closure of schools, churches. They can get your personal information. It's just going to further the totalitarianism that we see transpiring today. And in the end, our conclusion is that it, again, I know it'll sound familiar, it is all about control. It's about tracking and tracing. The U.S. constitutional rights would be gone. All authority given to the U.N. or the World Health Organization. So Michelle served in Minnesota's 6th District from 2007 to 2015 in the House of Representatives. She ran for President of the United States in 2012. Currently, she is the Dean of the Robertson School of Government at Regent University. Michelle, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much. I always love to be with you. We have about a month now to spread the word and to try to stop this. And the World Health Organization, the UN meeting is the end of May in Geneva. Michelle, you and I are not tinfoil hat people, but we are sounding an alarm that global government is predicted in the Bible that Mr. Tedros, that's his first name, folks, I call him Mr. Tedros, who's head of the WHO, that if he's granted this kind of power, he could form a one world government system. That's right. This action that is being proposed is done purposely to create a platform for global governance. That's effectively what will happen because power and control with emergency decision-making powers would be given to the executive director of the World Health Organization. I think it's important that people understand the healthcare arm of the United Nations is the World Health Organization. When they were originally created, they were meant to be an advisory-only body. No nation on earth had to do anything that they said. They were merely advisory. Former President George W. Bush put the United States of America into the World Health Organization under the current international health rules in 2005. The body governs. The World Health Assembly meets annually in Geneva, Switzerland, the last week of May. And they create the rules and regulations that run the World Health Organization. This is completely different. The amendments that are being proposed for this May, as they were proposed last year in 2022 by the Biden administration, would change completely the whole purpose of the World Health Organization. They would no longer be an advisory-only body. Now they would be empowered over 194 yeah. nations on earth to declare an emergency status. And again, we're just coming out of three years yes. of being under emergency power. We know what that's like, where we lose some of the most basic civil rights that we've ever had. That's what's at stake here where we saw how difficult life was under the pronouncements of President Biden and Dr. Fauci and the Centers for Disease Control. But that's only because they were already following whatever the World Health Organization mm -hmm. said. So we've had a pretty good taste of what life could be like under a one-world international dictator. That is what this would be. That's not an exaggeration, Jan. This would be an international, one-world dictator. What's troubling is that most on the left seem fine with this, giving up U.S. sovereignty. 
even if it's being given over to evil. Joe Biden is just giddy about it. So we've got the entire left to battle in this conflict. Because they see that the agenda that they like could be implemented. That's right, because it's more control. It's more control, and they're the ones who call the shots. And I think there are people on the left who don't fully appreciate or perhaps understand what the ramifications of this level of control is. For instance, if you're pro-abortion or if you want to control people on how they can move or travel, then you're all in favor of something like this. But you may not fully understand what this level of control could really mean for you or for your family. You have to be a favored person with the dictatorship in order to be able to travel or move or live your life in the way that you've been used to. So why isn't everyone in Washington beating a drum that this must be stopped? You've got solid conservatives in Washington. We wish there were more, but I don't hear them speaking out on this either. Well, it's because most members of Congress have never even heard of this issue. And that's easy to understand for a number of reasons, because our media is a completely monolithic, homogenized voice. We don't hear any alternative voices from the mainstream media. In fact, there's so much censorship Mm -hmm. today that it's very difficult. Unless there are shows like your own, most people don't get to hear what the truth is. I served in the United States Congress for eight years, and I know what it's like. And I used to jokingly say, Congress is always the last to know. And it's true, because members of Congress live a very different life. They're extremely busy. Mm -hmm. Most of their life is spent raising money meeting with constituents, meeting with various lobbyists, doing all the 90% of the things that they have to do that are nonsense. When they're looking at actually focusing on the issues in front of them, that may consume maybe 10% of the time. They just don't have time to know everything that's going on. And this sounds so far out. Let's take a look at what we're talking about. An international one world government that would be created through this piece of legislation They would look at you like you have three heads. This couldn't possibly be. I've talked to various members of Congress not that long ago, chairs of committees, as a matter of fact, who'd never heard of it, who had no idea, who were solidly Christian conservatives, who had no idea. Unless someone brings this to the attention of Mm. their member of Congress or senator, they aren't going to know because their staffs are maybe 25 years old and they know everything in their own mind. And so they're on Capitol Hill working to advance themselves in their career. They aren't necessarily out there trying to win ideological battles. They don't know what this threat is. And so if people don't hear it in the media, if their staff doesn't know about it, if someone doesn't personally bring this to their attention, these members have no idea. They have plenty of other things to focus on. They don't know about it. So that's why this show is so incredibly important because this is an opportunity through your network of radio stations to actually do something about this. It is possible. We can let people in our churches know, people in our friend group, on Facebook, Twitter, whatever social media you use. You can share this broadcast and let people know. Contact your member of Congress and your U.S. Senator and demand this. The United States has to get out of the World Health Organization. Get out. The most important thing we can do is what Donald Trump did just as he was leaving office. He thought he was going to return to office in 2020. He didn't. But he started the procedure to get the United States out of the World Health Organization because he saw how desperately wicked this organization was and ineffective. 
So he notified the World Health Organization. The United States was leaving the organization. We were no longer going to fund them. But the protocol is that that takes a year for us to get out. Mm -hmm. And Joe Biden came in in 2020, and he put the United States right back in. And he restarted the flow of money into the World Health Organization. And then the Biden administration became the lead in all the world to change the nature of the WHO from an advisory-only body to actually being empowered to have a platform for one world governance through healthcare. Some other things that the WHO would be able to do, they would be able to control how we travel, how we bank, control the cars that we drive. They would have the authority over every medical procedure, and they could demand some medical procedures from vaccines to you name it. The World Health Organization would decide what is a health emergency. Representative Andy Biggs and Senator Ron Johnson have both been trying valiantly to enter the fray here. Senator Johnson, not as successful. Tell me about Representative Biggs. Representative Andy Biggs of Arizona has a bill called H.R. House Resolution 79, H.R. 79. Very simple piece of legislation, less than a page long. It just says the United States of America will leave the World Health Organization. We will no longer fund it. We will no longer be in this organization. Now, there's two different tracks that the Biden administration is trying to empower the World Health Organization. One is through a global pandemic treaty. The other is through changing the amendments at the World Health Assembly that's meeting at the end of this May. The global pandemic treaty is a possibility, and Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin offered an amendment in the Senate to say if there is any global pandemic treaty, it must come through the United States Senate for passage. The Democrats who control the U.S. Senate defeated Ron Johnson's amendment. Mm -hmm. So we now know where the Senate is at. They're all for empowering the World Health Organization and giving them this platform for global governance. The House of Representatives is a different story. We have a number of sponsors, and I would say call the Capitol switchboard. The number is 202-224-3121. Again, 202-224-3121. And just tell them where you live and say, I want to speak with my representative, and I'd like to speak with my U.S. senators. And they will connect you with your two senators' office and your one representative's office. And just simply tell them, I want to have the United States get out of the World Health Organization. I want you to support H.R. 79. I don't want the United States to give up our sovereignty to the World Health Organization. You're listening to Understanding the Times Radio. I'm Jan Markell. I have in studio Michelle Bachman. She's head of the Robertson School of Government at Regent University. If you'd like to communicate with Michelle, do so by email mbachman, and that's two N's, mbachman at regent.edu. Michelle, I want to play clips of you, and you summarized this so well. This is in another interview, and I've followed the various interviews because you have been the watchman on the wall, and it says in Ezekiel 33, I believe it is, that the watchman on the wall is to sound a warning. If they don't sound the warning, the blood is on their hands. You've taken that quite seriously, and you are warning and warning on various media programs. 
Former President Donald Trump saw the absolute disaster that the World Health Organization did during the time of the pandemic. They made one tragic decision after another that resulted in millions of people losing their lives. And our American economy today is still reeling from inflation and from the disastrous decisions that were made by our government in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. So now Donald Trump pulled the United States wisely out of the World Health Organization and he stopped the funding. The way that it works under the rules is that it takes one year for a nation to leave the World Health Organization. We were in the process of the United States leaving under President Trump's leadership when President Trump did not return to the White House in 2020. President Biden promised that he would put the United States back into the World Health Organization and he would resume payments to the organization, and he did. But then President Biden did something far worse. His administration is being extremely aggressive. Last year, when I was on your program, I reported to you that the Biden administration wanted to yield and give over full United States authority over health care decisions, over issuing a pandemic to the World Health Organization. So if we thought it was bad enough that Dr. Fauci was telling us what we had to do or the Centers for Disease Control mandating vaccines, mandating lockdowns, mandating mask wearing, restricting the right to travel, closing businesses, closing churches, all of that came from emergency powers. This coming May in Geneva, Switzerland, the Biden administration seeks to change the rules of the international health regulations at the World Health Organization so that we can give full sovereignty over health care to the United Nations Organization, World Health Organization. What this would do, this would create a platform for the first time in history, a legal platform for one world government and one person the director general, a man named Tedros, would have the authority over all 194 nations on earth and he could declare an emergency, he could restrict our right to travel, he could mandate vaccines or treatments or lockdowns and we would have no right of appeal. And it's our government, the Biden government, that is leading this aggressive effort to give up power to the UN. Once you give up American power to the UN, it's very difficult to get it back. And that's slated to happen the last week of May in Geneva, Switzerland. Michelle, a couple of things here. First, my understanding is that these emergency powers that were set to expire May 11th, I believe, I think they expired surprisingly around April 12th or so. Am I right? Yes, you're right about that. And this really is shocking. The Biden administration did not want to sign legislation, but actually the U.S. Senate and the House passed legislation to end Joe Biden's emergency powers. Again, since the onset of the pandemic, for three years, we have been living continuously under emergency powers. Joe Biden didn't want to give it up. He said chaos will ensue if emergency powers go away. They are now lifted. So for the first time in three years, we're living under normal times. We're not living under emergency powers. Another issue here is global digital identity. 
is that going to play into this scenario? That's actually the centerpiece intention of the Biden administration, Mm -hmm. because the whole purpose is for government to exercise control, to surveil and track and trace every human on earth, and to give that authority to the UN, World Health Organization. They want digital IDs and digital identities. So if your listeners pick up their phone and look at their phone, there would be a QR code on their Mm -hmm. phone And that QR code would contain their financial information, all of their medical records, but it would also be the way that people would buy, the way they would sell, the way they would do their banking, and they also would not be allowed to travel unless they have had all of the shots that government Mm -hmm. tells them they have to have or all of the boosters. Whatever the World Health Organization says that a person has to have, unless they've fulfilled every portion of what the WHO demands, people would not be able to function in the society. So that gives total control, global governance, to the World Health Organization. I have a clip of an Indonesian here. Explain to me who this is and why it's important. This is the foreign minister of Indonesia. The week that we had our election in America in 2020, that first week in November, Several days later, there was a meeting of the B20, the largest 20 business groups. There's a G20 meeting, Mm -hmm. a B20 meeting. This was the B20 meeting in Bali. And there, this minister from Indonesia was on a panel, and he very nonchalantly talked about what the plan was to change these amendments at the upcoming World Health Assembly in order to empower the World Health Organization to have power over every single human on Earth So we would all be assigned a QR code. So we saw that everyone had to stop travel during the pandemic. He's all excited because he's saying not everyone would have to stop. If people are in compliance with a QR code, then they might have the right to travel. It's actually a chilling clip that I hope everyone pays attention to. So let's have a digital health certificate acknowledged by WHO If you have been vaccinated or tested properly, then you can move around. So for the next pandemic, instead of stopping the movement of the people 100%, which clogged the economy globally, you can still provide some movement of the people. Indonesia has achieved, G20 country has agreed to have this digital certificate using WHO standard, and we will submit into the next World Health Assembly in Geneva as the revision to international health regulation. So hopefully for the next pandemic, we can still see some movement of the people, some movement of the goods, and movement of the economy. I'm going to quote you here, Michelle. I've taken information and quotes from some of your other interviews. By the way, they've been tremendous interviews, and I'm so thankful you saved time and energy to do Understanding the Times radio here. But this is a quote. It's just two short paragraphs. You say, there's never been a bigger power grab than this power grab. This is on Washington Watch with Tony Perkins. You say, it's counterintuitive because normally a nation doesn't want to give away its power. And then you say, this means that our politicians in the United States would have no power. We would lose our voice as a people. Attorneys general would lose their voice. Our Supreme Court, federal courts, the state courts would lose authority. Even your local doctor that you go to would lose authority because the executive director of the World Health Organization. Again, folks, that's this Mr. Tedros. He's got a very long last name. We're skipping that at this point. The executive director of the World Health Organization would be empowered to make decisions over vaccines, mass lockdowns, and supply chains, etc. 
This is staggering. This is why I asked you opening the program, why isn't everyone in Washington talking about this? And you did answer that question. But in my mind, it is grievous that we don't have every, at least conservative in Washington, banging a drum about this. Yes, it is, because what we're talking about, Jan, is the end of government in the United States. This is post-democracy, post-constitutional republic. Because when you give up the sovereignty, that's all a nation has. Sovereignty means you have power over your people. We've seen power misused, but this would be wholesale giving away the power of the American government to the World Health Organization, creating a platform for global governance. And it wouldn't be just America. It's all 194 nations at the same time. That's why this has prophetic implications, because every nation on earth would be giving up their nation's sovereignty to a one world system, which is the healthcare arm of the United Nations. So they would be empowered to declare an emergency. And that's why this is the centerpiece, which is the digital identity and the digital QR code that everyone would be mandated to have on their phone. As you heard the foreign minister say, we in the G20 and B20 have already agreed to this. And he said this last November, we're looking forward to this May in Geneva, when we're going to change these amendments, and we're going to have this digital QR code so we can track and trace and surveil every human on earth the way communist China does today of their own citizens. It's just envisioned globally, not just in communist China. That's why this is historic. It is the first time in history that every nation on earth would give up its sovereignty to a one world system. And then that system would be empowered to have control over all nations And there's no right of appeal for the nations who give up sovereignty. That's why every member of Congress better wake up fast and recognize they're about to turn themselves in this country into a dinosaur. Mm -hmm. And we will become slaves to the one world form of government through the World Health Organization. It is that serious. It is an existential threat to the existence of the United States, and it spells the end of the freedoms that we have lived under in the United States. I'm transitioning just a little bit here, Michelle. Talking to Michelle Bachman for the hour. She represented Minnesota's 6th District from 2007 to 15. I saw a headline here recently, Michelle. It said, Our enemies are busy plotting wars while America focuses on drag queens and transgender children. That's just a headline that allows me, I think, to transition a little bit into the out-of-control scenario with leftists in Washington. You and I have been watching this for 30 years or more. They have gone from absurd to insane to literally demonic with what they're representing and what they're talking about and what they want us to embrace If you don't agree with them, they go on into the attack mode. This isn't the old liberalism. This is now neo-Marxism, the neo-Marxist left. But it's the loony left. And as you and I were talking, it's become the Luciferian left. That is not an exaggeration. You started out by saying that other nations are planning war and we're focused on Drag Queen Story Hour. That is what I want your listeners to know. We are at war. 
I firmly believe that China has its designs. Yes. And I believe through corruption and corrupted politicians, China is having their way with the United States and also with the West. If you look at the United States of America and the level of destruction that every portion of our nation has been going through, our defense system is being destroyed, our education system is being destroyed, our economy is being destroyed, our food supply is being destroyed, our energy supply is being destroyed. How could this happen? You can't get things that wrong all the time. I believe through corrupted politicians, there's been an entry given away by the enemy, and from within, we're seeing the United States of America pulled down. The highest value ticket item is our children. And through the education system, people need to wake up right now and listen to me because there was no vote at the federal level. There was no vote at the state level, even at most school board levels. And yet simultaneously, nearly every K-12 school in the United States, whether it's a public school or charter school, which is a public school, they are all putting a completely different ideology in place, a critical race theory, an equity agenda that is not about being equal. It's about punishing America's history. Our children are being taught a very strange doctrine, Mm. the exact same doctrine in all K-12 public schools, but also it's a perverse sexual agenda that we've never seen before. So our children are being pushed into chemical castration and through the physical mutilation of their bodies. Parents need to understand and grandparents need to understand this is being pushed on kids. Parents are being withheld knowledge, but they're being withheld authority. States are putting into place that parents won't even have the right to protect their children or to pull their children away from this, that children can be taken away from their parents if the parents don't go along. I have never said this before on radio, but I will say this today. Our school system is completely gone now. So parents and grandparents need to understand children need to be removed from the public schools now because our children are being targeted and attacked for chemical castration, boys and girls. And I believe that countries like communist China are at war with us. China has a demographic problem of its own. They don't have enough people that are coming up in the ranks. They want to attack the United States of America in every level. But they physically want to harm our children. How else can you explain what is going on? This is Luciferian. We are at war. We may not see tanks, but our children are paying the price. And everyone listening to me, if you have a child or a grandchild in the public school, you sell an extra car, you sell some stocks and bonds, you get your child out, you homeschool your child, you put your child in private Christian school, You do not allow the public school system to take your children and poison their spirit and poison their brain and, in fact, mutilate their bodies. This isn't a choice anymore. This is now being pushed on the children. They are not giving consent. The parents aren't giving consent. This is an agenda, and it's life and death for our children. Michelle, and thank you for that. I couldn't agree with you more. But there's been just a staggering loss of U.S. influence, U.S. power by design. by design. This is intentional destruction of the United States' presence on the world stage. Remember, when Joe Biden assumed office, the United States of America was the economic and military right. superpower of the earth. 
and had been every morning that you and I woke up and drew breath. We are no longer the military superpower on earth, nor are we the economic superpower on earth. The deck is being reshuffled. Communist China knows that. Russia knows that. Iran knows that. North Korea knows that. They are making plans accordingly. And that's why they are making strange bedfellow trade Mm -hmm. deals so that the United States dollar, which was the global reserve currency, is under direct attack and assault by America's enemies. All under the watchful gaze of the Biden administration and done with their consent. You see, no one's panicking from the Biden administration. This is according to plan. Because they're either paid to look the other way or they're in on this deal of the intentional destruction of the United States and of the West. These radical nations that we're talking about, China, Iran, there's half a dozen of them, their goal is to make a move now before the 2024 election, fearing, I'm sure, that some conservative would get elected in 2024 and put a stop to some of these regimes, which is generally what conservatives will do. At least that's what Donald Trump was trying to do in his four years I want to play a short clip of Mike Pompeo, and then I want to get your response to it, because he is promoting U.S. troops to go into the fray, whatever happens with Taiwan. He does believe that we need to be involved, and I mean involved with troops. I hear you saying, and I quote you directly, we should do everything we can, Mr. Secretary. Senator Lindsey Graham suggested this as far as troops in Taiwan. Listen. Strategic ambiguity is not working. China, after Afghanistan, believes that the store is open, that you can go in and take whatever you want on Biden's watch. I'd be very much open to using U.S. forces to defend Taiwan because it's in our national security interest to do so. Are you on board with that as well? U.S. troops on the ground to defend Taiwan? Senator, we often talk about Taiwan in isolation. Think about this. Japan will almost certainly get drawn into this if there's an invasion of Taiwan. We have a security guarantee to support Taiwan, much like Article 5 in the NATO agreement. What we need to do is focus today on giving the Taiwanese the tools they need to make sure that this day never happens. That's what we did for four years, and we reduced risk to America. But when push comes to shove, the United States is going to have to be all in to protect American interests throughout the Pacific. That includes Taiwan, Japan, our friends and allies in Australia, South Korea. This isn't the American tradition. Let's get deterrence right, and we won't have to face that question. So to be clear, that's a yes. Yeah, we should do everything we can. And we should be doing it today, Sandra. That's the other thing. It's not a decision to make a month from now or six months from now. This is work that should be taking place even as we speak to reduce the risk that the Chinese Communist Party sees any kind of a green light towards invading Taiwan. Taiwan is clearly next on the world stage. And we do not know how far Vladimir Putin is going to push in Eastern Europe. We do not know when the Middle East is going to absolutely explode. Some of this is happening, as I said a moment ago, because they see the weakness in Washington. They're taking advantage of it. That's the bullies of the world. The Bible, Michelle, talks sensibly about wars and rumors of wars. Obviously, we're in that scenario now. Your thoughts on Taiwan, on American soldiers participating in perhaps liberating Taiwan? Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and I are friends. Yes, I know we, you were, are. we were seatmates on the Intelligence Committee. We traveled together on various CIA trips. He's a believer in Jesus Christ. He's a very wonderful family man. I do not agree with his assessment on this, however, that American troops should be on the ground. I understand why the former secretary came to the conclusion that he did. But what I see is that the United States of America, under Joe Biden's current leadership, will not protect Taiwan. 
I see Joe Biden as Beijing Biden. He is bought and paid for, in my opinion, by the communist Chinese. I believe that his son and his brother James have compromised this nation willingly through the corruption of the dirty deals that they've never been held accountable for. So for one thing, they won't do anything to push back against communist China, but you push back when you're strong. America was the leading economic and military superpower under Donald Trump and prior to that time. We are no longer. You do not go into a third world war when your ammunition stores and weapons stores are empty and when our strategic oil reserve is empty and when our treasury is empty. This is what people need to understand. Think of it as you go to the cupboards, you open it up. Only moths are flying out. There is nothing left anymore. We've given everything away to Ukraine in addition to $120 billion. We don't have the ability to be involved in a third world war. We have got to regroup and strengthen. We are in a terrible position right now. And that's why prayer, fasting, Understanding the word of God, staying together in fellowship, that's what we need to do. We don't fear. We stand in faith. God wins. But we are not the America that we were two years ago. It is almost incalculable the destruction that has occurred globally and domestically for the United States. We're in a completely different position than we were two years ago. This isn't Democrat, Republican. Gee, she's a Republican. Of course she would say that. No, this is based upon observable facts of where the United States is at right now. You do not go to war when you are weak. The United States is seriously weakened, almost to the point of immobilization. The greatest testimony of where we're at is the current activities of the world's worst actors who lead dictatorships. And they are banding together right now to destroy the United States of America, economically, energy, food supply. This is not the time to go to Taiwan. We will stand alone and we could be defeated. I am transitioning just in the interest of time. Again, you're listening to Understanding the Times Radio. I'm Jan Markill. In studio with me, Michelle Bachman. She currently is the Dean of the Robertson School of Government, Regent University. If you'd like to communicate with Michelle, do so by email mbachman, and that's two N's, mbachman at regent.edu. Michelle, I'm quoting here a couple of paragraphs, your good friend Tony Perkins, because I want to just discuss this at least for a few moments anyway, and that's what appears to be a new attack on Christianity, let's say an intensified attack on Christianity. We know there's an attack on the Jewish people, so I guess I'm no surprise it would be at the same time now a surging attack on Christianity. But Tony says this. He says, make no mistake, a storm is brewing in this country that screams, Christianity is the problem. Tony says, the calls will come, if they haven't already, for the faithful to step back from cultural engagement to acquiesce on biblical truth where the battle is raging the fiercest for our children. It's the same argument the left has been using on the parents of confused kids. Give in or they'll hurt themselves. To the church it will be, back off or they'll hurt others. And then Tony says, the inclination will be to move away from biblical truth, the very source of hope and freedom that confused and troubled souls 
like Audrey, and that's the gal who shot up the Christian school two, three weeks ago, the troubled souls like Audrey need. Tony says, but that's not the way forward in a nation broken and bleeding. As much as the other side would like to manage the chaos by indulging these delusions and passing meaningless legislation, the problem isn't the state of our laws, it's the condition of the heart. And then Tony concludes, these tragedies, whether they're in Nashville or Newtown, are the bitter fruit of a deception that's destroying us. It's time to address these lies with urgency, acknowledging that we are a broken people in need of the God that we keep pushing away. It is our moment to do what the brave officers in Nashville did, confront and engage the crisis. These aren't men who sat on the sidelines letting the shooter take aim at more children. They rushed straight into the face of the danger and protected the weak. As Christians, we're called to do the same, confront evil and protect the vulnerable so that they may know Jesus. I introduced that little segment here by saying that more and more Christianity is being targeted as the problem. You and I know Christianity is the solution, but in our upside down world, the world sees Christianity as the problem. There are attacks now on churches, on pro-life centers, which are heavily Christian. Your thoughts on this, please? Tony is exactly right. What he is saying is what the founders of the United States said when they were speaking of the Constitution and they wanted to pass it in Philadelphia. The founders said that our Constitution is fit for only a moral and religious people. It is not workable for any other. And what we're seeing is the American people and as the psyche of our nation has turned away from God, as we have turned toward immorality, we become ungovernable. It doesn't matter who you are. If you are looking toward the ways of God, we temper our souls. We temper our desires. That is no longer happening in the United States. As a matter of fact, in the public schools, as we had said earlier, children are being taught just the opposite. We're no longer protecting the innocence of children. Our schools are corrupting children and enticing them into a completely different world and mindset that will destroy our children. Tony is right. What we need to do is fall on our knees and look up at the God who will save us. We are not abandoned. We look to that God. He will save us. And as we turn to him, if it's only one of us that turns to him, he looks at that yielded soul. And so every soul that yields itself to God is one more input in restoring a nation. Thank you for speaking into that. I sense some very, very troubled days are up ahead with Christians again coming under attack. We have the FBI spying on Catholic churches now. Yes. That was another question I had of you, is how on earth did our Justice Department, has it always been corrupt? How did it get to the stage where it is today? We saw it probably most directly during the Obama years under Eric Holder when he was the attorney general. When the president of the United States and the attorney general both announced that they would no longer uphold the laws of the land regarding marriage, I remember telling the Speaker of the House at that time and other members of Congress, this is a direct violation of the oath of office contained in the Constitution of the United States. President Obama swore that he would uphold the laws of the United States and defend them. It isn't for Obama to say that the law is unconstitutional or for the attorney general. That's for the Supreme Court. And yet they defied the laws of the land and announced that they would not uphold them on the definition of marriage. At that moment, 
the United States Congress should have impeached Barack Obama because he refused to uphold his oath as president of the United States. This has been going on at least since that long. I'm sure there was corruption prior to that time. Now it's at a whole different level. Now the whole purpose for the Department of Justice and the FBI is to advance lawlessness in the United States, to advance an agenda that we no longer recognize because its purpose is the destruction of the United States. This is intentional destruction. This is not an accident. The greatest nation on earth, you couldn't destroy it to this extent in two years unless you had a full force united plan to do so. Again, you're listening to Understanding the Times Radio. Michelle, I'm transitioning again, and my goal here is to cover half a dozen topics in our time frame, and I appreciate your helping me do that. And I have in front of me an article that's in my spring print magazine. Folks, you can sign up for that online, olivetreeviews.org, olivetreeviews.org, and just go to newsletters. You can sign up for the e-newsletter for the print magazine. That's four times a year. E-newsletter is usually once a month, and you can find lots of things at our website, radio programs going back many, many years I'm transitioning just a little bit, Michelle, because you and I both have a real heart for Israel. I have in front of me some quotes by our mutual friend, Amir Sarfati, and I'm just going to read a couple of quotes, and I'm going to play a very short clip of his. Amir says this, and folks, this program today is being pre-recorded. That's because we had to do that this particular week. My concern is, by the time this program actually airs, there's going to be all-out war in the Middle East. That's how tense it is over there. We're talking about the fact that it may happen. I hope it doesn't happen in a few days here. Amir says many of us have watched Israel in recent months. He's the founder of Behold Israel, the organization, prolific author. He's been at many of my conferences here in the Twin Cities. Folks, by the way, as we speak, there are about 250,000 missiles pointed at Israel. Just wrap your brain around that. What if your hometown had 250,000 missiles pointed at it? And Amir says this, Israel is facing the most dangerous reality since the Yom Kippur War of October 1973. And then he says, I've been carefully examining the situation in Israel over the past three years, ever since we entered into what seems to be never-ending political chaos. He says, my conclusion is very simple. The progressive, liberal, deceptive, and diabolical demon has completely taken over a large portion of Israeli society to the degree the Bible calls strong delusion. He closes, I'm only reading three paragraphs. He says, yes, the fig tree is blossoming. Israel is back in the land. However, only the physical restoration has taken place. The spiritual restoration will be painful and tragic. I want to play a two-minute clip by Amir, and we'll kind of wind things down after that. The world is buying into the new world order of Russia, China, Iran, Venezuela, North Korea. I know you will say that it's Stupid, but it is happening. Everybody is now recalibrating, recalculating, reshuffling their foreign policies because of the weakness of America, because of the terrible, woke, liberal, progressive foreign policy of the United States of America today. And America, that while is being bombed by Iranian proxies, is still longing and running for an agreement with the Ayatollahs. Right now, as we speak, the Iranians, by the way, they themselves are shocked at how weak America is. They see that nothing is moving in Ukraine. Ukrainians are in trouble by now, just so you know. Even 
the smart bombs that were given to them by U.S. are not working because of the GPS jamming of the Russians. There's a lot of problems over there as well. This is the most serious situation since World War II. This is on the cusp of major explosion. And for us, the believers, if we're not holding on to the word of God, if we're not using our secret weapon, which is faith and prayer, faith that God will deliver and prayer that he will do so and he will be glorified. Faith in what he promised and prayer for the situation. This is it. Our faith is being tested right now. Our whole life as believers are being questioned now by the world if we are afraid, if we have anxiety, if we have fear. I'd like your response to his comment here. Quote, Israel is facing the most dangerous reality since the Yom Kippur War in October of 1973. You and I have watched some images online, even on television, terrible demonstrations going on in Israel. There have been terrible terrorist attacks, particularly during Ramadan, and it breaks our heart, and we know God is preparing Israel for their incredible end-time role that is going to happen during the tribulation, where millions of them will come to faith. A number will be, unfortunately, killed during that time, but a number will come to faith as well. Well, I agree with that. There was a barrage of rockets that came in from Gaza, Lebanon, Syria. There were assassination attempts during Ramadan by Israeli Arabs who killed three Israeli Jewish women, also a car ramming them. But we also know that this is at the behest of Iran. Iran has been empowered by the Biden administration. They're working through proxies to bring about a war. We've already heard that part of the goal is to have so many rockets come in that Iron Dome is completely depleted. And the Biden administration is not Israel's friend, which is a very unusual thing. The Biden administration has completely backed off. And we know now that our U.S. State Department has actually funded, in part, some of these protests on the street in Israel. And then we have terrorist activities in Judea and Samaria. So from every quarter, Israel's under attack. We are on the cusp of an Iranian-led war. So the worst enemy that Israel has been telling the world is after them. And remember, the Ayatollah of Iran said some eight years ago that within 25 years, we will annihilate Israel. In other words, we will completely wipe that nation and the Jewish people off the map. They're serious. When they say death to America, death to Israel, don't think that the Ayatollahs aren't serious. So yes, that's exactly what this is. But again, as we are talking about the convergence of events, how the United States is being disempowered, how Israel is coming under attack, how the Bible says every nation will flee Israel. Who would have ever thought the United States would flee in defense of Israel? What that says is that God will be there. His right arm will watch over and hold Israel. And for each of us as individuals, We hold on to faith and not fear. And so I want everyone to think about the children of Israel standing at the edge of the Red Sea as the chariots and the horses and Pharaoh's army bearing down upon them. At that moment, they did not know, but God spoke to their leader, Moses. He held up his arms and they watched as the Lord, their God, literally made a way, dry land in the middle of the sea. And he not only preserved and protected his people, 
He conquered their enemy by bringing the sea to collapse on the heads of Pharaoh's soldiers. I am telling you, this is our moment in history, the greatest moment in all of history right now. The moment that the prophets long to see. We don't cower in fear in this moment and we don't despair in this moment. We elevate the word of God. We feast in the word of God. And from that, we obey him. We follow his paths and we trust without ceasing that he will hear us when we cry. He will not abandon us. And as a matter of fact, our deliverer will deliver us. And we can trust that because that is the word of God. Thank you, Michelle. You spend a lot of time with younger people. You're part of Regent University School of Government there, and you've got to be talking to lots of young people on the college campus. How do they look at the future? If the Lord tarries, and I don't know that he's going to tarry, but if he tarries, these younger people have quite an incredible world they're going to have to contend with. They will be our new leaders in 10, 20 years. Are they optimistic? Are they fearful? As a matter of fact, we are looking with hope to the future. We're just Mm -hmm. starting a PhD program that has been years in the making where we are going to be teaching about godly American heritage. We're going to be teaching PhDs about the welfare of the city. We're going to be teaching national security from a biblical point of view for a PhD Mm. and for international comparative politics. We're the first school that has an online PhD in government together with our five master's programs and our undergrad program, all biblical worldview programs where we want our students to understand America's founding and godly heritage as an antidote to the lying 1619 project. We are doing this so we can cast into the future those who know truth. And it's online. People can do all this from home. Our students are very hopeful. They see where America is at today and where the world is at, and they want to be a part of the solution. They are not cursing the darkness. They are lighting a candle instead. So we are occupying until the Lord comes. We don't know when he'll come, but shouldn't the Lord find us planting trees and getting PhDs and bring the positive solutions of the gospel to our world? That's what we're doing at Regent University. I am so proud to be the dean of the Robertson School of Government. My goal is to graduate 100 PhDs out of this program to go and take their positions of leadership across the United States of America, in Congress, in the Pentagon, in our universities, leading our cities and our legislatures with godly principles that work. And I am thrilled about what we're going to see. It is a privilege and a challenge, isn't it, Michelle, to be born for such a time as this? Amen. It's not always easy, Jan. It's not easy. It's not always easy, but we want him to find us faithful. And that's what we're going to do. Not crying, not despairing. We are holding his hand because, again, you're standing right there at the edge of the Red Sea. He is going to part the waters and he's going to make a way where there was no way. And he will be the victor over the wicked. Read Psalms 1. Read Psalms 2. It's a very happy ending for all of us. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for coming in today. I want to just close with mainly a Bible verse. Yeah, we've talked about evil this hour. We've talked about evil men and those who strive for power today. But keep in mind the words of Ephesians 6, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, 
against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The verse says that we dwell in this present darkness. That's why God calls us to be salt and light in a decaying world. That is why you were born for such a time as this. I want to thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. Contact us through our website, olivetreeviews.org. That's olivetreeviews.org. Call us Central Time at 763-559-4444. That's 763-559-4444. We get our mail when you write to Olive Tree Ministries in Jan Markell, Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 55311. That's Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 55311. All gifts are tax deductible. Our times are in His hands, as the Bible says, so they really aren't out of control. God has all things in control. You are engraved on the palm of His hand. But God orchestrates all that is happening so that everything can all fall into place.